Brett Beatty showed up to Mets camp on Thursday and looks primed for a breakout. Why should we be confident in what Beatty is going to do for the Mets at third base this year? I'll break it all down on today's show. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you Mays and Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On. That's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On today's show, we're going to be discussing Brett Beatty. He showed up to camp. He looks primed and ready for a breakout season. I'll explain some of the things that he talked to the media about in the first segment. In the second segment, I'll break down why I'm pretty confident that we're going to see a much better version of Beatty this year, why he really is going to take some of the holes in his game last year and improve on them. Then in the final segment, I want to talk a little bit about Francisco Lindor. He also spoke with the media. He described an injury he played through last year, and I just want to go through his leadership with this club. So we'll get into all that good stuff. Before we do, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X at Ficklestein. Ryan, you can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers who join today will get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Is at fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Now, I was going to talk about top prospects today, just like I did on yesterday's show, where I broke down three top prospects who have seen their stock drop over the past year. I was going to do the inverse three top prospects whose stock rose last year. And I already started to do some prep work. We will get to that show at some point next week. But then I watched the video of Brett Beatty talking with the media about what happened last year. And I saw the videos of Beatty working out on the field. And I decided this had to be a Beatty show because this guy is a very important piece for this team. And I loved everything I heard when I spoke with the media. So here's the big point of focus for Brett Beatty or what the point of focus was this offseason. He said that he focused a lot on his top hand. That last year he was weak with that top hand. It was, you know, letting the barrel drop. His barrel was lagging through the zone. He wasn't catching the ball out front. And by Getting that front hand to or that top hand, excuse me, to be stronger, he's able to meet the baseball out front more, get the ball in the air, and hopefully have much better results. And for me, it's also about how he went through that process. You know, he you know talks to the media about that, how after last season, he got away from hitting for three weeks and just dissected film nonstop, watched all of his at bats try to find the tendencies to see where he went wrong. He was in constant communication with Eric Chavez and Jeremy Barnes, the Mets' two primary hitting coaches, and they were able to identify what went wrong last year. It was a clear problem, which is always great. Not that there was an issue, but that you could identify what that issue was and all the different ways that it impacted his game. He said by not being strong with that top hand, it affected his posture, it affected his timing, and he also mentioned the mental side of the game which if you've been listening to this show and as I've tried to come up with some rationale for what happened last year, I talked about the mental side of the game a lot when it came to Brett Beatty, that he was brought up to be the guy that sort of helped save that lineup. The team just wasn't very successful. So 
as much as his own personal struggles would have been an issue, regardless of what was happening with the team, when the team's struggling as well, it's a lot easier to stay in the dumps. And he said he was riding the roller coaster too much. You know, he was carrying yesterday into today, and that's not a good way to find success. He broke down how the, the veterans on the team, the guys that have success, their biggest thing is consistency. And speaking of the veterans on the team, he did work with Francisco Lindor this offseason. The amount of comments that I saw throughout the offseason when Mark Vientos was out there working with Lindor and the video circulated. Where's Beatty at? Beatty didn't want to work out with him. Guess what he did? They just didn't put a video on social media. But he went to Mount Verde Academy where Francisco Lindor went to high school, and he worked with Lindor on defense. He worked with him on hitting. Carlos Mendoza was actually there with both of them. So he got to work in front, work out in front of the Mets manager and got to start building that relationship. This notion that Brett Beatty just was sitting on his parents' couch this offseason and didn't care, it's ridiculous. Okay, this kid put in the work. He has his own guys back at home. I also think that that's good. Okay, there's hitting coaches that he's been working with his entire life that made him a first-round pick and a guy that was a top-20 prospect in all of baseball. Not to say the Mets can't develop hitting, but sometimes getting the outside counsel is good as well. And we'll talk about, a little bit about this in the next segment, the adjustments he's made in his career prior that makes me so confident about what he's going to do this year. But again, to hear him identify a clear area of weakness, a clear you know hitch in his swing last year that was causing so many issues and to have make that or to have made that his focus this offseason. I just believe in the talent. I do. I believe that a, a top 20 prospect in all of baseball doesn't just immediately lose everything in one year. Yeah, he admitted the mental side of the game got to him. And who knows? That could continue to rear its ugly head. He could still have problems playing in the big leagues. And he might not ever amount to what he was supposed to be. But you got to give him some time to see what's going to happen here. And I think when you listen to Carlos Mendoza talk about him, David Stearns, Francisco Lindor, there's a clear plan in place for Brett Beatty to be the starting third baseman of the New York Mets. And they can say there's a competition all they want. I don't buy it. They're setting up a competition, right? Because that's going to bring the best out of these players. They want Mark Vientos to be working at third base. Because if he can play third base, that's going to help them if Beatty goes down. That also gives them a platoon partner for Beatty. Because one way to protect Brett Beatty this year is to be cautious with him against tough lefties. And you can slide Mark Fantos in at third base, which is a lot better than putting Joey Wendell out there, who, if I'm not mistaken, also hits left-handed. So I, I, as much as they'll say it's a competition, don't buy it. That's Brett Beatty's position this season. He is the starting third base in the New York Mets. And because of the adjustments he's made in the past and everything he just said to the media today, the way he looks showing up in camp feeling like a confident player, at least he, he's – if he's not confident, he certainly is a, is a great actor because he's seen like a guy that was self-assured with everything that you watched out there, with the way he handled the media, with the way he was just carrying himself, walking around camp, feeling ground balls, everything else. doesn't mean everything. Okay, we're watching guys take ground balls in Port St. Lucie. That's not going to indicate how he's going to do when he actually stepped into the box against Spencer Strider. But you got to remember the player that he was before last year and if you understand the mental side of the game that he went through, which hopefully he's grown from, and the fact that there was a clear issue in his swing that he has spent an entire offseason working on, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt 
that he's going to find a way to be an above average player this year. He might not be an all-star third baseman from the jump, but can Brett Beatty field his position better this year? Absolutely. Can he draw more walks, not strike out as much? He did that throughout his entire minor league career. I believe both of those rates are going to get back to more comfortable levels when he's a more confident hitter in the box, when he trusts you know, the routine and just tries to be consistent. I think that's going to be clear. Now, the the point of contact, you know, what he's going to do when, you know, bat meets ball, it's to be determined, but it, it can't get much worse than last year. And I think he's going to impact the baseball a lot more consistently. And the results are going to follow from that. I, I would I'd bet right now, if I had to, that he's going to be an above average offensive player and at least a league average player at third base. And from what he did last year, that's going to be a massive improvement. I think there is a ceiling where he could be even a, a lot better than that. That's what I want to talk about in the next segment. Some of the adjustments he made in the past, how good he was, and how he can get back to that. So we'll go through it in just a minute. First, though, today's episode is brought to you by Backblaze. Backblaze makes backing up and accessing your data astonishingly easy. You can have unlimited cloud backup for Macs, PCs, and businesses for just $99 a year. You can access your backed up data from anywhere in the world using their web app or iOS or Android apps. You also can restore your hard drive with their restore by mail where your hard drive with all your data can be shipped to your door after it's been restored. You can send the hard drive back within 30 days and get a full refund. They also have one year file retention and version history. Over 55 billion files have been restored for customers. All you have to do to try it all out is visit backblaze.com slash lockdown MLB so they know where you came from to continue to support the show. It's recommended by the New York Times, by Inc. Magazine, Macworld, PC World, LifeWire, Wired, Tom's Guide, 9to5Mac, and more. And you'll receive a fully featured, no-risk free trial if you go to, again, backblaze.com slash LockedOnMLB. Go there, play with it, start protecting yourself from potential bad times. Start today at backblaze.com slash LockedOnMLB. Last year, when I had to rank my top 10 prospects in the Mets system, I really had a hard time choosing between Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez. I was watching Brett Beatty in spring training. You saw the defense looked great. He was swinging the bat well. And I got convinced. I was between the two. And I thought, Beatty's floor defensively, he's not going to be a liability. Now, he didn't put together a good season, but I didn't know that at the time. Francisco Alvarez, it's so hard to know what a catcher is going to be defensively. So that was the real question for me. And then the bat. I looked at the two guys and like, yeah, Alvarez has you know, a higher ceiling. But Brett Beatty's floor. Here's a guy that has you know, found a way to an average over 300 in the minor leagues in a lot of different stops. I really thought the floor was so high on Brett Beatty. And it shows you you never really know with prospects because we just watched the floor drop out from under him. But when I look at his minor league career, there is a season that I look at. I think, why can't that happen again? And what I'm referring to is the jump he made from 2021 to 2022. When he dealt with a big league adjustment. Okay, 2021, Brett Beatty goes in high A and dominates. I mean, he's 21 years old in high A. Not that that's um, necessarily old, but 
he's, you know, at the same age as a lot of the competition in that league, a former first round pick, first full season. It just the competition wasn't good enough for him. He hit 309, got on base at a 397 clip, slugged at a 514 clip. They played 51 games there. They bumped him up to double A, right? In double A, he saw the numbers drop off. The pitching gets a lot better. The competition, a lot more stiff. He hit 272 still, held his own, 364 on base, 424 slug. The walk and the strikeout rates actually remained very similar between those two stops. But what did happen is his ground ball rate went from 51.6%, which was already high in high A, to 61.2% in double A. That needed to come back down a little bit. His line drive rate went from 29% in high A to 14.6% in double A. He just was not making the type of contact that you'd want for a guy that hits the ball as hard as Brett Beatty does. It's great to hit the ball hard, but if you're hitting into the ground, you're not going to have the same success as when you're spraying the ball around the field with line drives. So that was something he had to work on. Also the defense. Offseason between 2021 and 2022, he really worked on his game, came back a different player. In 2022, he was the best hitter in that league in AA. He slashed his ground ball rate from 61.2% to 42.6%. His line drive rate climbed back over 26%. He hit 312 with a 406 on base and a 554 slug. His weighted runs created plus, which is a league-adjusted stat that measures hitters on a league average of 100, was 160. He was 60% better than your league average hitter. The top of my head, I'm pretty sure the second best in the league that year was at like 139. So he was 21% better than the second best hitter in that league. Then he goes up to AAA, hits 364 in six games, ends up coming up to the big leagues because I believe it was Louis Guillaume that went down. And he hits a home run in his first at bat. Then Beatty eventually gets hurt and you know comes back last year, seemingly a better player again with another strong offseason. And like we've already gone through, the mental side of the game, maybe it was that issue with his top hand. Regardless of what exactly it was, it was just a lost year for Brett Beatty. But if I go back from 2021 to 2022, he showed he can make an adjustment in the past, and the results came. And it was after a big jump in the minor leagues where he had to make that adjustment. Going through that jump from AA, essentially, straight to the big leagues, because even now his AAA experience is pretty limited. That was a lot for him. And then particularly when you put him under the magnifying lens of the Mets last year and the disaster that they were. Now you put him on the 2024 Mets after going through all those struggles last year, after an offseason of work with a new manager that has already taken an interest in him because he knows how important this guy is. A younger manager, not, uh, you know, I don't know if, if Buck Schulte is going to the Hall of Fame, but certainly a baseball lifer who has a resume at least close to that. It's a little bit different having to play for a guy that has that type of gravitas as Buck Showalter than the rookie manager coming in. I think the Mets are going to be more fun this year for the young players. And I think the pressure is so much less. Francisco Lindor said the Mets aren't underdogs or he doesn't view himself or the team as an underdog. And we'll talk about Lindor a little more in the next segment. But I think for a guy like Brett Beatty or, or even a Mark Fientos, this is a much better situation for them. Maybe not the better situation for the team to win, but for those guys to have success early on in their big league careers, this is a lot more friendly of an environment for them. 
And so I just trust the tools that are there because you look at the guy as an athlete, what he's done in the past, he has all the tools to be a great hitter. Whether he's ever going to be a great defensive third baseman, you know that that takes hard work and, and we'll see. But since the Mets drafted Brett Beatty, he was always supposed to hit. And through every single stop in the minor leagues, he hit. Making that adjustment to the big leagues is the toughest one for any player to go through. But I think this is the year where he actually does at least prove to be a big leaguer. Like last year, he was not good enough as a big leaguer. I think this year he'll at least show that he's going to be a guy that's going to have a pretty long career. And then how good he's going to be, we'll just see. We'll see. But I'm excited to watch him more than pretty much anybody on this roster not named Francisco Alvarez because Alvarez just has that star power. But when you're thinking about the future of the Mets, these are the guys that I'm still keen to watch. And Brett Beatty is going to have that runway to be the starting third baseman. I think he's going to really take it, and he's not going to let go of it. We'll see if I'm right. I was wrong last year. Maybe he'll prove me wrong once again, but I'm going to die on this hill, I think. Anyway, I want to talk about Francisco Lindor because he also spoke with the media today. And uh, did you know he was playing with a bum elbow all of last year? We'll go through that in just a minute. But first, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with winning any $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. You can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with you know, the over-unders. You can bet on a parlay where you combine a player's over on points and his team to win. You can combine multiple teams. You have live same-game parlays. You have exclusive props and more. Also, it's be future season. If you want to bet on the Mets to sneak in and make the playoffs or to uh, win the division, <laughs> pretty long odds there. But, hey, if you want to put your money on it, why not? And also you can bet on maybe Francisco Lindor to win the MVP. Guy looks primed for a big season. He had a 30-30 year on a bum elbow. We'll talk about that in a minute. But if you want to get on the action at FanDuel, remember, you place that $5 bet, you're going to get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. everyday listener of the show and you don't want to miss out on any of your locked on Mets coverage throughout the season make sure you become a locked on Mets insider this is our texting service you can updates for me anytime something breaks in the Mets it's where you can ask me questions anytime it's also where we'll be posting lineups throughout the season so if you want to know that lineup have it texted directly to your phone before the game all you got to do is be a locked on Mets insider it's also where we're running our giveaways this year so if you want to be part of this bonus coverage Find the link in the episode description or go to subtext.com slash locked on Mets. Now, Francisco Lindor met with the media today, and there was a lot of discussion about his elbow from last year. Apparently, day five of spring training, he swung and missed and said the swelling never came down. And he didn't want to do an MRI or an x-ray because he was nervous that it would show something that the team would not let him play through. So he worked with the trainers, you know, had constant treatment throughout the season, and just played through it and posted up as a professional athlete and did everything that we ask of players. Play through the pain, show up and produce. He did all of that for this Mets team. 
And to me, his career is getting dangerously similar to Carlos Beltran in the sense that you have this superstar player that comes to your team. They just both happen to be Puerto Rican born players. Now that that's why they don't get the love from Mets fans. It's just an interesting parallel of career arcs going from small AL central market teams, the Royals for Beltran, the now guardians for Lindor come to the Mets. They sign the massive contracts and to fans, they never quite live up to it, even though the numbers show you that they produce at Hall of Fame levels. Carlos Beltran might just go into the Hall of Fame with the Mets cap on, and he has never gotten embraced about got embraced, got embraced by the fan base the way he should. And now I, I feel like I'm watching a Gail Lindor. I remember being whatever 13 years old with, with Beltran on the Mets. And thinking, why don't people like him as much as you know David Wright and Jose Reyes? And it's simply because he wasn't a homegrown guy. Now here it is again with Lindor. But what has he done in these three seasons? First year, yeah, it wasn't great. He got hurt. He didn't play well to start. But from June on that year, he was himself. And the guy put up a four-win season. The last two years, six-win seasons. And last year, he did it with a bum elbow and somehow still went 30-30. This guy does not get nearly the love and adoration from this fan base that he should, and I just don't get it. And on top of all of that, he's the one that's reaching out to Mark Vientos and Brett Beatty and saying, hey, work with me in the offseason. That's leadership. That's looking at the future of your team with these guys and saying, I got to help these guys come along because they're going to help me win. And you know, watching him handle the New York media, I don't know if that's something he's always been great at. I think it's been a, a learning curve, but little comments that he made, uh, you know, to the media in this session, like they were asking him about that elbow, right? And he said, you know, it hurt, but he could play through it. He said throughout the year, it got heavier and heavier. They asked him when it affected him most. Was it throwing? Was it hitting? He said it affected him most when he swung and missed. And then he made a joke. He said, and I did that a lot, um, but he didn't do that too much. He still put up a great offensive season. And another good answer. They asked him what the strength of this team was. And I love what he said. He said, the unknown of what we can do. That's the strength. And to me, it feels like Lindor has a real chip on his shoulder. It might be a block on his shoulder. And if he's driving that into his teammates, and if he is instilling confidence in them and the young guys that they got to step up and they just have to be consistent and talking about the process of just playing the game the right way day in, day out, I don't know what else you want from your superstar. I really don't. You know, he might not hit 300 in a Mets uniform. Might not ever happen. But the guy is going to play gold glove defense. If he's going to play every single day, if he's going to go out there and find a way to 30 home runs and driving in 100 and stealing 30 bases, <laughs> it's a five-tool player at the shortstop position. And for my money, <laughs> which I know fans will push back on this, and in some respects, I even can see the other argument of it, He's still the best shortstop in baseball. Now, Corey Seager is unbelievable. And for full transparency at JustBaseball.com, we rank the top 10 in each position, and we all do our own rankings. Then we combine them from you know our, our main leadership over at Just Baseball, and we created an aggregate score, and that's how we came with our top 10s. And I did put Seager one because of the season he just had. You know, He's the World Series MVP. He deserves to be considered the best shortstop in baseball right now. But – if I'm the GM and it's a fantasy draft 
I have to pick which one I want to be my starting shortstop for the 2024 season. I'm picking Lindor because I think he's going to play 160 games. And I know what I'm going to get from him. Corey Seager, yeah, if he's out there and he's healthy, you know, what he's going to give you could be you know far greater than what Lindor is going to produce. But the consistency of Francisco Lindor um, should not go underappreciated. So considering everything he said today, uh, I felt like I deserved to give him a segment, show him a little bit of love. Maybe I do it too much, but you know, it's my show, and uh, I'm not going to wait until the guy's career is over and he's heading to Cooperstown at the Mets cap and say, oh, yeah, he was pretty good with the Mets, like we do with Carlos Beltran. I'm going to say it all the way throughout this contract. You're damn lucky as, as Mets fans that Francisco endorses is starting shortstop this year and for you know a better part of the next decade. So anyway, that's going to be all for today's show. That'll be all for this week on uh, Locked on Mets. Be back on Monday with a new show. Unless we get a little surprise signing over the weekend, you never know. If you don't want to miss out on any of those bonus shows or just on Monday's show, make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. We're now within 100 subscribers from 8,000 subs, which was the goal to hit by opening day. So I appreciate all of you. Hit that subscribe. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Ficklestein Ryan. You can follow the show at Locked on Mets. Thank you for making Locked on Mets your first listen or your first watch every day. Now, for your second watch, head over to YouTube. Check out the first ever 24-7 streaming channel covering everything in the world of sports. Of course, I'm talking about Locked on Sports today with our local hosts from each team and our league-wide experts. You can find Locked on Sports today streaming 24-7 on YouTube.